Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful to be here in your presence at this time, in this moment, to hear from you, to hear what you would have us to hear to take us from this place to the next level. Lord, thank you for surrounding us with your favor, with your love, with your mercy, with your goodness. But most importantly, thank you for your provision during this time we have together as we sup from your table, as we feast on your word. Holy Spirit, you have free course and free reign during this time. Lord, I ask you to speak through my mouth, make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, the very oracle of God, and I will be so careful to give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are continuing on, as um, we said, with the wealth building for the kingdom series. And today I wanna talk to you about faith to prosper. What is the faith to prosper? Well. Today, I believe, is the day that generational cycles and misunderstanding will come to an end as we realize who we are and what we've got. Who we are and what we've got. So today, our text is coming from Galatians 3. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles or bring it up on your device, because the word of God is good in either either format. Amen. We're going to look at Galatians 3, verse 7, and it starts like this. The real children of Israel, uh, Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. Verse 8, what's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Verse 9, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Somebody say same blessing blessing. as Abraham Abraham. because of his faith. faith. I present to you today that we have the faith to prosper, that there is faith to prosper. And today, the outcome, I pray, of this message will be that you are on your way, if not already developing the faith to prosper. Because I'm telling you, we have just what we need um, to do that. So, and I, I want to warn you, I didn't before. I'll be going between the New Living Translation and the e- English Standard Version. Um, you know, I love ESV. It is like the standard of the house. But I want to thank whoever blessed me and doesn't want me to know they blessed me with this New Living Translation Bible because it is well used when I'm not using the one on my device. <laughs> um, so, but I'll be going um, back and forth. So just follow along in your Bible with me, um, you know, and, and, and keep up even if it looks a little different. So I want to start with talking about Abraham because I don't want to take for granted that everybody knows who Abraham was and what the blessing is, right? So I just want to start there with a quick background. So um, if you would turn with me um, quickly in your Bibles to Genesis 11, just to get it ready, we're going to start at the end there. But I'm going to give you a summary here because we meet Abraham at the end of Genesis 11 in the lineage of Noah. He was from 10 generations, well, 10 generations from Noah. 
which makes him 20 generations from Adam. And we know that from Genesis 2 and Genesis 5, where all the genealogy is listed out. So I'm bringing that up to say that um, Abram, as he was then at that point in the scripture, he already has means. He already has blessing, a blessing because of his long ancestry. We know that when you can trace history back like that, and you're a legitimate recognized descendant, I ain't stepping on nobody's toes, but everybody in the house knows what I'm talking about, that there is a transfer of wealth. When you can trace back how far you come from and you have names and claims, people who claim you and people that you can claim without them blocking you on Ancestry.com, usually, you know, unless there's some family feuding, there's a transfer of wealth that comes with that. Um, so, um, and we know uh, um, that there was some means here because um, he was with his family in the city of Ur. And so we see in Genesis 11 that his father, Terah, um, was called, well, decided to make the trip to Canaan, that he took his family and left. Um, what we know about Terah from other scripture, Joshua 24 and 2 to be exact, is that he was an idol maker. So Abram not only had means, but he also had the transfer of something less desirable if he would have chosen to go on in that path. He came from people who didn't worship God, who not only didn't worship God, but they made idols so that other people could worship other gods. Somebody's going to be blessed today. It's not about where you come from. All right. Okay. All right. But nevertheless, they had a blessing. They didn't have the blessing, but they had some blessings. And when his older son, Haran, died, Terah left that seaside metropolis of Ur, which is in modern day Iraq, um, and is incidentally no longer a seaside um, place because of all of the extreme drought and all of that since. But he left a city life to become a nomad. Some people speculate maybe it was because he was mourning the loss of his oldest son. We don't know for sure, but what we know is that he set off to go one place but then made a decision to settle um, somewhere else. On the way to Canaan, which, where he was headed, he settled in a city incidentally also named Haran like his son. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but that's what happened. So at the very end of Genesis 11, verse 31 says this, Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Verse 32 says, Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. So Terah didn't complete his trip and we don't know why. But could it be because it was always meant to be Abraham's land granted by God? instead of inherited by his earthly father, or from his earthly father, I should say. Because right after Genesis 11, we see God calling Abram to Canaan in chapter 12. So if you just um, go read on from where you are and start at verse one in chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. And here's the blessing. Here's the blessing for those who didn't know. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. 
All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And verse four says, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. I want I want us to think about we're going to come back to that in a minute. I'm not ready to go in right there. But Abram was instructed. Lot just went. I'm going to leave it right there till later. Let's keep reading. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth. I want to stop right there. He, like we said, he was already walking in something. But God had even more. God had even more. Let's read on. I want to start again. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Verse five, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household in Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. So I want to take one more side note and I promise we're going to get started because I'm kind of still in the introduction, but I just can't go on before I cite this right here right now. You see, this is the reason we can't despise when human plans fail. And God's plan prevails. When something doesn't go the way we had anticipated, we should rejoice. We should rejoice because when you receive the blessing of Abraham, your capacity for wealth defies logic or tradition or plans. Even though surely Abraham inherited some things from his earthly father, the blessing came from Father God. So was there a temptation in the camp? Tara, you stopping here? We not go you said we were going to Canaan. I'm going back to Earth because you, you said we were going somewhere we didn't end up. No, you can't be like that. You can't be like that because, see, there was something that was specific for Abraham in Tara's inability to complete his assignment. I'm going to leave that right here. I'm going to leave that right there. That, that was a bonus. Okay. So this is the blessing we've inherited. Our inheritance is to be blessed, famous, great, have influence with people due to the way they treat us. That is favor. That can only come from God's hand. And it's now also ours, even as it was Abraham's. I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I just want to say one more thing and then we're going to go ahead and, and get into the meat of this. You can't get tripped up either when you go off track, when things go off track with somebody who promised you something. So what if they wrote you out the will? Yours is the blessing of Abraham. I don't know who that's for. It must be for you. If they wrote you out the will, if they didn't treat you fairly, if you didn't get what you were supposed to get, there's still a blessing on your life. There is still blessing coming to you. And it isn't through the hands of men. God is going to pay up. He's going to do what he said. So don't worry about what you're missing out of on with people who treated you unfairly, didn't come to the table with the right shares. God is working it out and it's not coming from the hands of man. God's promise to Abraham. Let's talk about that. So a few more mentions of God's promise litters this entire section of Genesis. Um, in Genesis 15, when Abraham was lamenting about not having a son to share these blessings with, even as God knew 
he and his wife were about to make an Ishmael and make a mistake. Just verse five says this. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Tell somebody I'm a star. Glory. I'm going to try to get through this. Verse six. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? I love the humanity here. Again, put a pin in that. We're going to get back to it. Or another mention of the promise is Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Genesis 18, and we'll start at verse 18. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. This is the Lord talking. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Or what about chapter 22? Chapter 22 of Genesis. Where it says this in verse 18. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. This happened after he had bound Isaac up to sacrifice him. His act of obedience really set everything in motion. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. See, we live in a world that will tell you you've got to sacrifice. You've got to work hard. You've got to work your fingers to the bone. But I submit to you there is a better way that doesn't cause you to keep going and going and going and not getting restored and refreshed and revived. There is obedience. There is walking in faith by your obedience. That is what our father has demonstrated for us. Father Abraham, that is. He demonstrated for us that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. When you sacrifice, but you don't obey, because listen, we know in that passage, the angel said, Abraham, Abraham. And if he wasn't obeying and listening, he would have proceeded with something that would have cost him dearly, something that wasn't even required. A lot of us have experienced loss because we have done what we thought was necessary instead of what was instructed. And it's we're going to talk about this later because there's a complexity to this. You know, the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. There's some things that we can only discern by understanding of the word and also walking in the spirit. Because then we can have these things. If I'm getting ahead of myself, let me come back. But all I want to say here is that when he passed the test, God once again declared the blessing over him. Now, I want to ha- I have a couple of things that I want to tease out 
Um, and then we're going, so this is, the, we're going to talk through some things that happened um, uh, with Abraham's life and takeaways. And we're also going to have some applications at the end. But I want to talk a little bit first about this idea of working to be rich. Because some of us equate the faith to prosper as the faith to, you know, get these jobs or have these businesses and do all of these things and make these moves and make these investments and all of this. And that's fine as long as it's a result of obedience to God and his leading. It's absolutely fine to do any of that, but not within your own strength and understanding. It's in obedience and in faith to God. So that's one thing. The second thing is this, is that if we're not careful, when we continue to work and strive and work hard and, you know, grind, 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 and there is room for the grind. You know, our theme this year, let's go. The G is for grind. We're grinding. But if you are doing that in excess, if you're not careful, you're depending on your grind instead of on the Lord. We can't put our faith in the grind. We got to put our faith in the one who has empowered us to grind. And we have to leave room for him to provide. Does that mean that you're lazy? No. Does that, 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 does that mean that you don't do your part? No. So let's get into this. All right. Um, if you're taking notes, you can just write this. We don't have to work for the blessing. Proverbs 24 verse 4 says this. ESV says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Well, that's a lot of vocabulary. I like the way that the NLT breaks it down. And, and it's basically the same meaning, right? Verse, so Proverbs 24, verse 4, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. We can't work too hard for this. We have to know when to stop. But we can't be lazy either. We are not to be lazy either. Again, there's a balance, right? The word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing out like that. There's some complexity here, and it takes the spirit to understand it, amen, or comprehend it. Proverbs 13, verse 4. Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. So we have the word on it. If you work hard, you will prosper. But there's more. There's more. Proverbs 20, verse 13 says this. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. That's a hard one for me. Because I love sleep. I like it a lot, rather, I should say. But there's a balance. Again, the word, spirit, understanding, get wisdom. There is a place for hard work. And there's definitely a place for rest. Rest is a command. Right? So which is correct, to not work hard or to not be lazy? I submit to you that both are correct. We must understand the balance, that there is a just balance concerning work and rest, work and faith. And ceasing to rest is ceasing to trust God. I want to say that again. Ceasing to rest is ceasing to trust God. Even the world is getting to understand the need to do less better. As we are moving into an era of more technology and more capabilities, I was, um, you know, going through the situation at work and my boss said something recently that was so true. It was so good. I was expressing like, you know, you know how hard some things were. And I and other people on our team that report to him. And he said to us, if it's too hard, you're not doing it right. 
if it's too hard, you're doing too much. And I immediately went off camera because you know I had a little quickening. I went off camera because I knew God was using the wisdom of my boss to impart a thing to me. And I knew I was preparing this message so it was to impart a thing to us. If it's too hard, you're not doing it right. If it's too hard, you're doing too much. <laughs> God may be moving you out of there. Pray about it. He said, tell that to my boss. <laughs> I like that. But I believe God was prompting me and therefore us about the importance and priority of faith when it comes to earning a living and living in abundance. So let's talk about working by faith. Our success is not the result of hard work alone. We know from Joshua 1 and 8 that we must meditate on the word of God day and night to become prosperous. He didn't tell the children of Israel to work their fingers to the bone to become prosperous. He sent them to the word. In other words, work the word, work your faith. Even as we're working throughout the day, or for those of you who do shift work, if you're working through, throughout the night, right? We should be thinking on his word and doing his will. The next thing I want to so we talked about this on so just a little quick recap. We don't have to work for the blessing. We work by faith. The power to obtain wealth belongs to God is the next thing that I want to express when we're talking about this idea of not working for the blessing. The power to obtain wealth belongs to God. So we must avoid the temptation to get frustrated by hardship and trials as they arise. Because these are opportunities to trust and rely on God. Well, why do you say that, Courtney, when you're talking about he gives us the power to obtain wealth? I'm so glad you asked because Deuteronomy 8.17, Deuteronomy 8.17 says this. Turn with me there if you're following in your Bibles, because I want you to see this. He was talking to the children of Israel about all the things that they had endured in the wilderness. And verse 17 says he did all this. So you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. This is the New Living Translation. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Or some translations say the power to get wealth or power to obtain wealth in order to fulfill the covenant. He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. See, people talk about work-life balance all the time and whether or not it's achievable. But I want to say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you are a child of God, yes, it is. Yes, it is. When you remember the Lord is your source, yes, it is. When you obey the word of God, yes, it is. When you rest, yes, it is. When you place priority on the kingdom of God and on God's word, yes, it is. We get to honor God by acknowledging him in all of our ways and seeking his kingdom above all. So when we prioritize, right? Yes, it is. There is a balance. There's a false balance. That false balance is not achievable, but the just one is. The just one is. We get to benefit from the wisdom, counsel, and leading of the Holy Spirit. But that's not possible when we lean to our own understanding. 
we have a room full of intelligent, intellectual, educated people. And it is a daily test. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. It's a daily test to not lean on what I know. But there's a balance. Even as Moses was the most educated of his time, and yet he let the Holy Ghost write all those books. God uses what we offer, but when we bypass him to just use what we have on our own, oh, you're going to burn out every time, beloved. You're going to burn out every time. It's not just on you. Thank God you've been blessed with education and training and certifications, years of experience, but you still need God. You still have to rely on him. So what? You're a member of the greatest sorority, the greatest fraternity. You have the greatest affiliations, the greatest connections, the greatest network. God has blessed you with that. You didn't do it without him. So don't start now. Hallelujah. When we depend solely on ourselves and other people, we can't benefit from the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. When we rely only on our organizations and our network, where is the room for God to get the glory? You want to do it by yourself? Go ahead and burn out. But there's a better way that we can do, right? When you seek the kingdom first, when you lean not to your own understanding, when you submit to him, you get the benefits due to you. All right. So we work by faith. The power to obtain wealth belongs to God. Now I want to talk about how we serve God and not money. So Petey warned us about this, talked to us about this when he talked about conflicting with riches a couple of weeks ago. The love of riches, the love of money will have you doing anything to have them. We know the love of money is the root of all evil. Let me tell you something. I love God. But I really appreciate the benefits of money. I don't love money. It's the root of evil. But I give thanks to God for the blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want it. I receive it. He wants me to have it. He wants us to have it, but he doesn't want it to have us. We've got to serve him. When you love money, you'll work and work and work and forsake everything else because you're depending on yourself. So you may say, well, you know what? I hear that, but I don't really love money. You love shoes. You love vacation. You love gadgets. You love what money can buy. You love the makeup. The top tier makeup. Oh, I'm just talking about me. Okay. <laughs> you love the cars. You love what money can buy. Well, I'm not pronouncing that over you. I know that I'm in a room of blessed people who know their priorities. Amen. But what I'm saying is that we all appreciate the better things in life. If we love them, 
more than we love God, that's still the root of evil. All right. So we're all following along with that. When you love God, you obey his commands and depend on him. You pace yourself and remain in faith instead of looking to yourself alone to make things happen financially. And you seek the kingdom first, trusting God to supply what you need because that's what he said he would do. Amen. God never meant for us to be passive now. He means for us to do our part, but our part isn't just work. When your work is an output of your faith, that's when we win. We win when work is an output of our faith. We know a tree by its fruit, right? We know a tree by its fruit. So it works the same way with faith. Work is the fruit of our faith. Work is meant to be the fruit of our faith. When work is not meant to give us faith or provide faith, but it's the fruit of faith. So that's how we work by faith. That's why faith without works is dead because faith is the source for works, for deeds, but also for working. Real quick, let's go to James 2.21 because I want you to see this. Let's go there. In your papal Bible or on your app, amen. Let's go to James 2, 21, because I want, I, want I want you to see this. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did? Somebody say what he did. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Verse 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So on the other hand, they work together. Your work is the fruit of your faith, but your faith produces works. Works both ways. Verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute. Somebody say Women's History Month. Amen. Giving honor to Rahab. Amen. Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did. Somebody said what she did. Say what she did. When she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. I want to stop there. This is also another bonus. There are a lot of things that I don't talk about that come up in church news, church business, stuff that's on social media news and stuff, especially with regard to the church, what happens in the church. And I'm not citing any specific event, but if you've been on social media even a little bit, and I tell you, I was just on a little bit and I saw some foolishness. But what... What gets me, and I promise you, I'm not going to say what you think I am. What gets me is that there is something, there are some things that look ridiculous and unnecessary when you don't know the full context. And for somebody who's just seeing prostitute giving lodging to spies, none of that looks right. And I, I would submit to you that in modern day, somebody would be complaining about this right here on social media. Do you know that hoe? Excuse my French. 
That's what it was. Amen. There are no children in here who understand. I'm sorry, baby. You know that she went and he, them, they were spies. When people don't know the full counsel and the full context of things, they will tell you that you are wrong. Be careful about putting your mouth on things that you don't know the full context of. Don't mess up your blessing. Don't get distracted. Don't. Yeah. Hey, too much seed in the ground to get distracted about what's going on in other people's churches. On other people's pulpits, in other people's houses, in their church houses and in at their residential houses. OK, you don't know the context of a thing. So don't even think about it. Don't even talk about it. You don't know what God told somebody to do. And even, okay, I'm going to go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I got to keep moving. <laughs> I know. I know. Amen. I got to keep moving. But see, you trying to incite me and I'm trying to calm down. You don't know what's going on. Keep your mouth off of it. Mind your business. Get your blessings. You got seed in the ground. You need to watch over. You got decisions and moves you need to make that people don't know the context of, and you got to filter them out too. God told you something that doesn't make sense, and you do it. Okay, I'm done there. So we're talking about work, and we're talking about Abraham. Did Abraham work? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Did Abraham work? Let's talk about it. Most likely he did. But here's the thing. We don't know. We don't really have a biblical record of him working per se. We know he had great wealth. We know he had means even before he obeyed God and made the move. We know he had herds and herdsmen. But likely that was because him and his massive household needed to sustain themselves and eat. Right. Because they were nomads. So nomads live off of, you know, cattle and. And, and they, they, yeah, they heard and stuff. So we know that he was self-sustaining and wealthy, but we don't know what he did for a living. We know his dad was an idol maker, but we don't see that he also took up that trade. What we do know, check this out, the senior in the house, Mom Jackie. What we do know is that he was 75 years old when God called him to go to Canaan. So technically he may have worked before, but by the time we meet him, he is way beyond retirement age, according to, you know, our modern, you know, um, setup. I believe this is intentional. The Bible is silent regarding Abraham's work, the actual source of income by his own hands, because it wasn't by his work that he received the blessing. I dropped two, sis. Boom, boom. It wasn't by his work that he was. Somebody get the revelation. It wasn't by his work that he obtained the blessing. It was by his obedience and by his faith. Likewise, we have not received the blessing of Abraham by our work either, but by our faith in Christ. So before I get get off of this whole thing because I just wanted to break down work because we need to. We are hardworking people, not working too hard like the Bible said, tells us not to, but we do work hard. Amen. 
on our jobs. We spend a lot. We spend more time at work than we do waking moments with our families. Then we spend doing anything else. That's why PD wrote a book and he needs to publish the book. Work is worship because we spend most of our time there. If we're productive citizens and able-bodied and able-minded to do so, that's where we spend most of our times in the prime of our lives. That's what we spend our childhood and our young adult years preparing for, work. But I'm here to tell you, whatever status and accomplishments you have achieved to the glory of God, yes, God is using that and he has blessed you and he is increasing you because of it, but that isn't the source of your blessing. God blessed Abraham because Abraham believed God like it was his job, because it was his job. Which leads me to my next point. Abraham may not have had a job or specific business or livelihood that we know of, but we do know what he did. He believed God. Somebody say faith to prosper. There are specific ways Abraham expressed his faith that we want to take note of. And we don't need to do any of this to inherit the blessing because it's already ours by our faith in Christ. But because we believe there's going to be fruit like this. Amen. Remember I said it works both ways. If Abraham is our father and we know he is the father of our faith, we can follow him in the footsteps of his faith, like Romans 4 and 12 says. So I want to give you five things Abraham demonstrated, how, five ways that Abraham demonstrated faith in God. Five ways Abraham demonstrated faith in God. Of course, they have sub bullets, but there are five main ways. Number one, if you're taking notes, Abraham was obedient. You heard a crazy praise and crazy faith. Well, this was crazy obedience. Old Abram left Haran, Haran at 75 years old. Got circumcised at 99 years old. That takes faith. I don't even have those type of organs. I know that takes faith. <laughs> Women's History Month. <laughs> Crazy obedience prepared Isaac as a sacrifice. He was 125 years old, give or take a decade, because again, we don't know how old Isaac was. We taught that last year, right? No matter the task, Abraham did what God instructed. So number one, Abraham was obedient. Number two, Abraham was patient. So yeah, we talked about this. God called him when he was 75 years old. We don't know what happened in that 75 years, but that's a long time to live. None of us in this room have lived that long yet. And yet it was another 25 years before the child of promise was born. It was another 24 years before his name was changed so that he could start speaking Every time or and or he could hear every time he was called that he was the father of many nations. He had these moments with God. Now, how many of you remember four years ago, something God told you or promised you? If you listen, if you know you had an encounter with God four, five, ten years ago, those of us who lived enough, long enough, then another five to six years later, God said the same thing. 
Come on now, let's think about this practically. In that moment, oh yeah, oh yeah, you on fire for a bit. How about year two? How about year three? How about year four? How about year five? And then by the time you get to year six, you hear it again. And oh yeah, you did say that, God. Let me look at my prayer journal and see. Oh, you did say that. Okay, the perspective, right? And we know it was probably much more like, you know, in the time that he was living in and all of that. And, you know, he actually had this, this kind of encounter with God that we may or may not be able to experience right now in this dispensation, right? But still yet, life, real life, practical life happened in between these encounters where he wasn't seeing it. He was a nomad. He didn't own any property yet. He just kept getting the promise for 25 years. We just celebrated 15 years at Kingdom Living Ministries, 15 years of ministry. And let me tell you about, you know how in the cartoon where you have the angel and the devil? I don't know about you, but sometimes there's like, I'm just being honest. I'm going to talk about me. Lord, 15 years and I'm grateful, but I'm looking at these walls. I'm looking at this 1,000 square foot space. And thank you, Lord, that we're still here after 15 years. But if you had told me 15 years ago we were going to be in this room, can I be real with you today? Loved every year, loved every moment. But if he showed me this right here, I would have been like, oh. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you. There's a building with a sign on it down the street, three blocks away. Doesn't feel like three blocks because the streets are just so close to close. Ah, doesn't even feel like three blocks. And let me tell you something, baby, when you walk in that room and it won't be but a few more weeks from now till you see it. Now, I'm not saying we're moving in it in three weeks, but when we can sign the lease and when we go in there and lay our hands, and talk about what the Lord has done. I know y'all talked about it last week, but I wasn't here. I want to shout right now. I warned you. I told PD I was going to come in here and act up. Didn't I? Didn't he tell you I said I was going to come in here and act up? I know he did. He told me he did. Amen. Wait till you see it. And we just passing through. That's just what's next. But this is year 15, 25 years of being told you're going to have something and you don't get it. And yet he was counted righteous because he believed every one of those 25 years. Do you have the faith to wait 25 weeks, to wait 25 months, much less 25 years before you get discouraged? The faith to prosper is the faith to wait. Abraham was patient. And while he got to see the son of promise, when he went up that mountain, see, he was counted righteous and he believed. He knew God wasn't going to take him. He knew me and the lad are going to worship. God is going to fix this. I don't know how, just like I don't know how he's done any of this stuff he's promised me for the last 50 years. <laughs> I'm going to go up this mountain and obey because that's my job. 25 years until he 
met the son of promise, delivered by his 100-year-old wife. And he got to live to see his grandchildren, the twins, right? He got to see his, his son get married to Rebecca. But he had to accept, watch this, he had to accept that there was no way for him to see all God had promised him. Because that promise continues on to this day in you and me. Remember, we are stars. We're the stars he saw in the sky. Ha! He died not seeing all of it. That's how big the blessing was. You got to come to terms with some things. And you got to fix your faith and fix your mind and fix your heart that you won't be missing out on anything if you don't see it all come to pass. Because that's how big it is. And it's so big that it doesn't matter how long we have to wait. 25 years, 15 years, 10 years, 20. I know what I'm talking about. I look good, but I've been living a little long. I celebrate 46 years on this earth next week. Don't I look good? Do I look like I'm that old? Do I look like I'm four years from 50? Hallelujah. I got time to wait. Oh, I got time, Lord. I'm going to wait on you. Listen, I know what's going to happen. I've already seen it, and it's going to come to pass. Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying. Let, let me come back. <laughs> okay. He was patient. He was patient. Though it tarry, wait for it. Wait for it. Habakkuk 2, 3. Though it tarry, wait for it. Abraham was obedient. Abraham was patient. Number three, Abraham gave. Before the tithe to Melchizedek in Genesis 14. So five ways that Abraham demonstrated his faith in God. Number one, he was obedient. Number two, Lord, was he patient? Number three, Abraham gave. Number four, Abraham wasn't perfect. Abraham was human. He asked questions. Remember I said we're going to put a pin in that? How is it that I, Genesis 8, what was it? Whatever about that. Genesis 18, excuse me, 15, verse 8. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can it be? How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? It's all right to ask questions. Just because you're asking questions doesn't mean that you're in doubt unless you are in doubt. And let me tell you, you know if you're in doubt. But don't be in bondage thinking that you can't talk to God. That's why you got to develop a prayer life. So that you can talk this thing out with God and not allow the enemy to get you into unbelief. You can ask him anything. And Abram, Abraham, ask him. The one he knew, not we know he believed because God counted him righteous for his faith. And yet the one who showed us how to do this is asking the question, how can I be sure? 
We can ask God questions without being accused of doubt and unbelief. Be encouraged today. Abraham wrestled with God's promise and he needed reassurance. But when you wrestle with something, you're grabbing hold of it too. It doesn't mean you're turning your back on it. It means that you're trying to, okay, I'm trying to hold on to this. Not that I'm trying to let it go because I don't believe it. It's a different flex. He wasn't perfect. So he asked questions. And the other thing about this, the real imperfection came out in his mistakes. Abraham made mistakes. Abraham went to Egypt to escape famine. Now, let's be, let's be real. Abraham, this is God speaking. Abraham, go to Canaan. Abraham gets to Canaan. They ain't got no food. It's a famine. Abraham goes to Egypt. But we don't see that God told him to do that. And when he gets down there, mess, foolishness. Girl, you too fine. <laughs> I know. You, you look too good. You're too beautiful. They're going to kill me. Because you, Women's History Month. Somebody say, Women's History Month. Sarah, you're too beautiful. Tell them you're my sister. Now, he didn't lie because they were related, you know. They were related. They could do that back then, okay. But God didn't ordain that. That was, that was just him providing his own solution, working with his own hands. He was human just like we are. He was predisposed to that thing just like we are. But he course corrected. Pharaoh said, look, y'all got to go because God is he's taking us out because y'all did this. Get out of here. And then they, you know, when they could, they went back to Canaan. Right. The other thing, the thing that we know them the most for messing up about the two of them, Bonnie and climbing Sarah and Abraham. <laughs> I'm too old to have this baby. See, this is something I know about. I'm too old to have this baby. I know God said he's going to give you a child. I believe it. I believe it too. Come here, Hagar. Mistake. Not the promise. Not the promise. Own hands working. In the way. Not depending on God. Not waiting. So even though he waited and was patient, we see that humanity there. And I believe the Lord still calls him the father of faith for a reason in spite of his mistakes because he wasn't defined by his mistakes. He wasn't defined by his imperfection. He was defined by his faith. Will you be defined by your faith or will you allow your failures to hold you back? Are you going to continue to do this delicate dance about what you do and do not deserve? Because maybe you made some bad decisions. Come on now. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by the things that you did wrong. You're not defined by the failures. You're defined by your faith. Abraham made mistakes, but then he got right back in line. Because if he didn't, God would not be just to grant him the things he promised. He said he counted Abraham righteous. A righteous person makes mistakes, church. A righteous person asks questions and wrestles. They're asking questions and not to get a pass or to be justified in letting go. They're asking questions to keep holding on. Yeah. 
It's a different flex. The father of our faith is a great example for all of us. Recover and learn from your failures. In fact, I don't even want you to call them failures anymore. Call them learnings. Learn and move on. You're still righteous. You're still all right with God. You're still on the path. You're still blessed. But if you wallow in that, instead of believing God, that that the blood of Jesus was enough to cover you, that his love is enough to cover the multitude of sins, then you're going to be in your own wilderness cycle, your own 40-year journey in a loop because you can't get over what God has already covered. So five ways Abraham demonstrated faith in God. He was obedient. He was patient. He gave. I kind of went over that one real quick, but y'all already know we get plenty of teaching on giving. Number four, he wasn't perfect. Number five, he was faithful to God and to his family. Now, we talked about that balance, the word balancing some things out, right? One thing that I have recognized about being a parent is that I have more insight about not only my parents' journey and the way they raised us and maybe what they went through, but I also have more insight into the fatherhood of God if that makes any sense. Anybody agree with me? We forgive these kids. They be doing the most. <laughs> and yeah, we just, oh, it's all right, baby. There's a mess everywhere. That costs $200 and it's gone now, but that's all right, baby. We understand more about, we have more capacity to understand God's love for us. It would not be just of us to continue on and, and not have that understanding. You know, the Bible says in a scripture, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the passage, but y'all know it, that if you being evil would do good things for your children, how much more would the father? So, you know, he's the father of our faith. We are made after him in his likeness, according to his faith, right? He had a responsibility to us, but to also his actual blood family. And that was an outflow of his faithfulness to God. See, we see this a lot, too. Again, I'm not putting my mouth on stuff that I don't know the context of, but I will say this. It's something that it's by now it's a trope, right? Because we know that there are places where people are in ministry, but then they don't do right by their families. Right. Or I mean, but that could be said for anybody, because, yes, to whom much is given, much is required. Those who are teachers and ministers. But really, all of us should be doing what the leaders are required to do. That's why we're in place to show you how to do it. So there are plenty of unfaithful people. There are plenty of men out here with two families. Come on. Serving God and not serving God. There are a lot of people out here that are not living what they're teaching. That are not practicing what they're preaching. But Abraham was faithful to God and faithful to his family. He lived 175 years, the Bible said. So he had more years of faithfulness behind him than he did those 75 years that we have no no clue about. He made sure Isaac married Rebecca. He tried to save his nephew Lot and asked God, you know, hey, spare them. When when God said, look, I'm going to have to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But here's the balance. Here's the balance. Well, first, before I do that, Genesis 18.32. You don't have to go there, but I just want to say when we this shows us the humanity and the imperfect, like, you know, him asking questions of God. 
But this also shows him looking out for his people. He says, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak once, just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? That's when he was asking God, look, if you find a few faithful, would you spare them? Because he knew his, his nephew was there, right? He did right by the people in his household. He did right by Ishmael. People are always talking about, well, Ishmael didn't get, you know, first of all, just read the word. Don't be out here saying stuff that's foolish. But he looked out for Ishmael. Ishmael didn't get the, the blessing like this, but he got a blessing. And let me tell you something. If, he, if he's in Christ, huh, oh, um, I'm teaching above my head now. But, you know, pe pe the people who are before us, they're going to get a chance too, right? So he's still going to be blessed. Well, anyway, he looked out for Ishmael. He looked out for Sarah. But there's a balance of trying to help family. Lot and Sarah still had to deal with their own consequences. See, and in this we see that he didn't allow his own failures or the failures of his family to hold him back. Some of us are too caught up in what our people are doing. When God called Abraham right there in Genesis 12, 1, he said, leave your family. He said, leave them. Leave all that behind. Come trust me. Now, he was blessed to bring some of his people with him. But remember, there came a time where he had to separate from Lot, too. See, because a lot went, but Abraham was called. You can't get all worked up when the people that you're connected to, whether it's friends, families, all your loved ones, however they're connected to you, don't hear it and see it the way you do. They don't come to church with you. They don't hear what you're hearing. They're not in your prayer closet with you. They don't hear what you're hearing. They're not in your mind. They're, they're not with you when you're meditating on the word of God or when God is showing you some things and stuff. They're things that they can't see and perceive. But when they see the blessing on your life, they want to go with you. But they don't necessarily want to do what you're doing. And there comes a time when you have to separate. It doesn't mean you don't look. There's a balance. See, when you're faithful to God, you know the balance. You're not forsaking your family, but you are not prioritizing your family above the word of God either, above the call of God either. Sometimes you got to leave those people alone. Sometimes you got to say no when they ask for money. Sometimes you got to say no when they asking you to do something that they want you to do. Sometimes you got to say no, not because you're being mean, but because there's a priority. There's, you have to be faithful to God. So he was faithful to God and to his family. He was righteous. He walked righteously with God and he walked righteously with his family. But he did not allow the balance to come out of balance. Somebody will catch this when they get home. I didn't exactly mean to go the way that we went, but somebody needed to hear that. People are pulling on you too much. And they're distracting you from your blessing business. They're distracting you. You can love them, but you are not their savior. You be led with them just like you're led with everything else. Relationship does not trump leading. Be led. Be obedient. Relationship does not trump obedience to God. Make sure that when you're helping people that God told you to do it. And if he didn't say to do it, and if you don't have peace, then don't do it. Because the word says, 
that Abraham and Lot, their people were arguing. You're not going to cause drama in my camp. I love you, but I'm going to love you when you go that way. I'm going to go this way. Amen. Woo. So we're about to close, believe it or not. So your applications are here. How to get your inheritance. You get your inheritance by developing the faith to prosper. So how do we do that? Okay, another list here. That other list of five things was what, how Abraham demonstrated faith. Here is what we need to do to tap into the faith to prosper. Number one, put your faith in Christ and work out your salvation. Number two, claim your inheritance by prioritizing God's word. I'm going to give you the list and I'm going to come back. Number three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number four, give financially to prosper. Number five is obey. And number six is be patient. So I'm going to go back to the top of this list and then we're going to close and we'll, we'll be done and we'll get you out of here. I, I was hoping to be done by noon, but is it OK if we just take a, a few more moments here and work through these um, applications? So number one, put your faith in Christ and work out your salvation. That means repentance. That means asking for forgiveness. Most of us in the room that I know of, not all of us are already, we've already passed this point. We, we've repented and asked God for forgiveness. But then work out your salvation. Your justification is what declares you righteous. This happened for Abraham before Jesus, but it happens for us through Jesus. Jesus justifies us. So that's how we're made righteous. We have peace with God through Christ. And then there's sanctification, the process of holiness, the process of working this out. Let me tell you that the attacks on your sanctification are meant to distract you from your blessings. So put your faith in Christ and then work out your salvation. Make a commitment. Make this your entire life's journey now that you have opened your mouth to the Lord. You say, I won't turn back. OK, but you can't you, you, you got you got to be steady. Do you have to be perfect? No, because we saw that Abraham wasn't perfect, but you need to be working it out. You know, there is there, there's two things that look the same. Two people can do the same thing. And one is working out their salvation and doing it. And one is just letting it happen. You be the one that's working it out. Number two, claim your inheritance by prioritizing God's word. You got to read and know and meditate the word of God if you want to obey it. How can you obey what you don't know? Now, we know that the word of God is written on our heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, get us into legalism with this. But we also know that if we're going to be thriving in our Christian journey, in our Christian walk, we have to put priority on the disciplines of being a Christian. That's reading our word. That's praying. That's fasting. All of that good stuff that we talked about at the top of last year. Spiritual discipline. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you're going to develop trust and mature faith in God, you got to keep the word going. You got to keep it coming into your heart. You got to keep wrestling with it in your mind. That's meditation. You got to keep it coming. You got that is how your faith increases. You got to pray. You got to pray in the spirit. The words of God says building up your most holy faith. 
You have to place a priority. We must place a priority on the word of God if we're going to resist confusion. If we're going to obtain wisdom. There are things that aren't so clear cut. And we, we talked about those, this balance, this balance, right, of work and faith and rest and, and working hard, but not too hard. To try. Oh, that's, that is exhausting to try to do in your own strength. But the word of God and your faith being developed, that makes it possible. The spirit of Christ, that makes it possible. And, and by submitting to God's wisdom, you're submitting to God's word. That's the wisdom. Yes, there are some things that he'll give us in prayer, right? And it's not because we're reading it, but it all lines up with this if it doesn't come directly from it. Sometimes he's simply prompting us of what we've already read or know. But if you're not continually filling that up, then he has less to work with. It's going to take more time for you to obtain the wisdom that's been freely given. And then the other part of that is how can you claim promises you don't know? You got to learn and understand God's promises to Abraham because they're, they're promises for you, too. And you have to stay in this to apply them to your life so that you can live the more abundant life that God promised, that, that is promised with faith in Christ. It's by prioritizing God's word. Then the last part of that is you don't just claim it for yourself. It's for your household and your descendants, too. Your inheritance shouldn't end with you. So you make sure that you're transferring your inheritance to the loved ones in your house. Now, your house is not the same as those people I was talking about. There are people in your house and there are people that are not in your house. You may all be connected by blood, but I'm talking about the ones you're responsible for. That God gave you the responsibility to partner with and be the helpmate to or to, you know, raise your portion. Right. So your inheritance shouldn't end with you, but it's the beginning of of your your branch of the family line. You're leaving a spiritual legacy. Look here. Abram wasn't the only one who got his name changed. Sarah's name. Women's History Month. Say it again. OK. Sarah's name was changed, too. Come on. Was Lot's name changed? No. That's why he had to go. <laughs> okay. Legacy is in the house. Say legacy is in the house. Ishmael was circumcised too and received the blessing too. Even though it wasn't the blessing, it was blessing. It was his own blessing. And we already talked about how he's covered either way. Amen. I'm not going back into that. Lot, even in the midst of his issues because of the overflow, was influenced by the blessing. See, spiritual legacy amplifies. It echoes. When you do what you're supposed to do, people are blessed because of you. The part of the blessing is that those who bless you are blessed too. You position yourself when you know this to be true and you believe it and you walk in it. Everybody, everybody in contact with you is getting an echo, is getting a blessing. There is a balance, right? Keep talking about this word. He didn't allow those fail their failures to get in the way. But his spiritual legacy, the legacy in the house, it outweighed all of that drama. 
couldn't take away from his blessing or his assignment. Number three. So we, well, before we get to number three, a quick recap. Put your faith in Christ. Work out your salvation. Claim your inheritance by prioritizing God's word for yourself and your household. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mindset. Changing your identity even. Let your character be transformed. Some of us, that's the problem. We got to work out this character thing. It's coming for us. It's trying to stop us, but not on our watch. Genesis 17, we see that Abraham got a new name. Abram got a new name. Proverbs 22 and 1 says a good name is to be desired above riches. So that is, well, yeah, more than riches. So it's not just reputation, but it's identity. Because you, there is integrity in reputation. If you're known for something, it should be because you are that. If you are something, hallelujah, because of the blessing, people are going to know you for it. Because he said he's going to make us famous, right? He's going to make us known. Now, how that fame and that celebrity, now this wasn't written with the understanding of celebrity and fame as we know it today. But what we know is that we gain influence, but we are not good stewards of influence. We are not helping anybody or influencing them the right way if we have unrenewed minds, if we are not changed. I want to challenge you to make Romans 12, 1 and 2, a reality in your life. Body, mind, and spirit transform, become. And the thing about this is this. I don't know if anybody, if it, has anybody ever noticed that Romans 12 and 1 comes right after Romans, uh, Romans 11? Setting the stage for transfer. Go in and review. That's your homework. Read Romans 11 and then go into Romans 12. Be transformed. There's a different way of thinking that is necessary to obtain the blessing. You got to kind of become like a nomad, like Abraham was able to move when God says move without being weighed down by people and things, money, lack, worry, doubt, failures, bad decisions, wayward family members. That balance that we keep talking about is only achievable by first renewing your mind about everything. We think too small. PD has been saying it. We got to understand that it's true. We got to just admit it. I think too small. Okay, well, how do you know? No, I'm not being self-deprecating when I say that I think too small. I'm not coming down on you when I say that you're thinking too small. Because even as big as you may be thinking, there's more. There's always so many more dimensions and things. We have to think differently. That's why placing the priority on the word of God is so key. Because we need that to develop the right mindset. You need a new mindset to be able to prioritize the kingdom. Seek ye first. The, you got you you to think differently. Because the old mind is going to think about everything that you're missing out on and losing. But the new mind, the transformed mind, is going to understand the context and the, and the complexity 
Maybe not even able to articulate it with your mind, but to receive it in your heart as a yes, I'll do that. Takes a renewed mind. It takes a renewed mind to be able to develop faith to prosper. You can't come to (laughs) this big budget that God has in store for you like you came to the little budget. You can't come the same way. Another thing, I, I, I love these little moments at work when I see things. And I, I'm just, just saying it because it, it's on my mind and I feel prompted to share. I don't want to tell all my business. But, the Lord, but, but my boss said, one day you're going to be able to tell people that you were on a team of four people that was responsible for a budget. I can't come to that like I came to my budget when I was working in higher ed. I present myself differently. I got to think about it differently. I got to order my lines differently. It's, a, it's different. It, it's not the same. And if I don't take the steps, I'm not going to be able to do it. That's just a natural example. But y'all see what I'm saying. You can't grasp the things God has for you if you don't renew your mind. Develop faith. In the face of doubt, this world is doubting more than it's ever doubted before. You have to have a renewed mind to stand and receive the blessing. Number four, give financially to prosper. Give your tithes and your offerings. Share with others in need. And I like this one. Prepare to leave an inheritance. So we talked about a spiritual legacy. We talked about household legacy. Faith to prosper is making sure you have your ducks in a row to leave a a literal financial legacy too. Generational wealth goes hand in hand with generational generosity. One is giving, one is receiving. Giving, receiving. Giving, receiving. Giving, receiving. And with your renewed mind and with an attitude of of, uh, obedience, submission to God, you're doing both. In your sanctified lifetime, you giving and you receiving because you know seed time and harvest. You know that God is not mocked. You understand with and and you understand in faith how this thing works. If you're not giving, you're not prospering. Period. Fight me. No, not really. I'm not a fighter. I I talk a good game, but I don't want to do that. But if you're not giving, you're not prospering. Number five, obey. It's a good segue because giving financially really is tied to obedience. When you know God's word, you can obey him. All of these are tied to each other. Walk in love because faith works by love. Galatians 5 and 6 says that. And keep the way of the Lord. Let's go back to Genesis 18 and 19. Genesis 18 and 19. Genesis 18 and 19. says this, for I have chosen, I'm starting, I think, yeah, for I, 18b, I should say, for I have chosen him that he may command his children, his household after him, after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Let me tell you something. Who's after him? Who's after him? We're after him too. We're after him too. Isn't he our father? We got to keep the way of the Lord. 
We're blessed regardless. But we got to, yeah. We got to keep the way of the Lord. And number six is be patient. Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4, we already talked about that. That we have to, though it tarry, wait for it. We have to wait. We'll have to wait. If the father of faith waited 25 years for that thing to marinate till he saw the very beginning of it, if he had to die in faith knowing that he would never with his with his finite eye, with his with his uh, with his um, mortal body and the eyes that was in it to see every star that was meant for, to be a descendant. He wasn't going to see all of that. He was patient for what for how long it took in life, and he was patient even into death. Right. So this is my conclusion, and then we're we're, we're going to close. We we are closing right now. To prosper in every area of life, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, personally, emotionally, socially, takes faith. So the faith to prosper is really just plain old faith. It's walking in faith. It's doing the will of the Lord. It's looking at Abraham. It's, it's accepting, receiving the blessing through faith in Christ and receiving Abraham as our father who believed in God for humanly impossible things. A man who believed in his ability to obey and make it happen. Because to believe God is to believe that you can do what he says too. He took ownership of what it took to be blessed. And then he transferred that right onto us, or at least God did through Christ. There aren't many of us here who can trace back five generations, much less 20, much less 20. Come on now. I'm just by a show of hands. How many of you know who your fifth great grandfather was? You have it written down. You have a paper trail of it, even if you don't have it committed to memory. What about sixth, seventh? Okay, eighth. Well, you the only one that had five and six? I saw half of your hand. Okay, five. What about six, seven, eight? Okay. Did anything come to you from that person that you can trace? Did that person have your same phenotype and look like you? Uh-huh. I'm going to leave that alone. Last month was Black History Month. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. But y'all know what I'm saying. Amen. Diaspora is all over Diaspora is all over. Okay. No matter if you came, if, if you coming in here as a native English speaker, Spanish, whatever. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Y'all already know Black History Month was last month. And Women's History Month. Okay. <laughs> we may not descend from righteous ancestors who left behind the legacy they should have. But I'm here to tell you it makes no difference. In fact, you may have a living family member who is withholding something that you ought to have. But it still makes no difference. Because I'm here to tell you that you've got to remember whose you are and remember who you are. We are no longer slaves. See, I intentionally left out one scripture Colossians 3, 23. Who knows where I'm going with this? 
Some of y'all might think that I'm going too far when I say this, but I can't help it because why I have a transformed mind. And I know the word and the word of God is good anyway. But I want to remind you that that reference working as unto the Lord is for slaves. It got quiet in here. Working as unto the Lord is for slaves. But we are now sons and daughters. We are inheritors. We belong to the father. And he has blessed us. So you don't have to imagine working for somebody when he's your father. I don't work as unto the Lord. I belong to God. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And for the work we do, we are not meant to be killing ourselves to do it because there is no glory for God in that type of sacrifice. God gets the glory from our obedience. He says, go. He says, possess it. He says, go. He says, possess it. He gives you resources and equips you to do everything you need to do it. You have what you need, so go get it and go do it. You have the faith to prosper. There are blessings on blessings for you when you obey, believe, and wait to receive all God has. When you do your part in faith, relying on God, and not just yourself only, you will see it come to pass. We are the head and not the tail. Come on, Deuteronomy 28 believers, above and not beneath. We are lenders and not borrowers. So I encourage you today, I exhort you today to get your inheritance and fix your faith to prosper. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just want to thank you for the ability to be able to grab hold of your word today, to hide it in our hearts, for our minds to be renewed, for us to take these things that we've heard today and apply them to our lives, commit them to our understanding. Lord, we want to thank you for all that you have provided. We want to thank you for the blessing of Abraham that is ours to inherit as well. We thank you, Lord, and we position ourselves to claim what is rightfully ours by our faith in Jesus. Lord, every area, every way of thinking that has been meant to, to detract, to distract us from the blessing, we overcome it right now by faith in the name of Jesus, and we receive all. Lord, we and we recognize that we aren't blessed just to be blessed, but that we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for endowing us with the faith to prosper and thank you for the prosperity to come in all ways and in all things. We will acknowledge you and ever give you the glory. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. At this time, if you just want to lift your hands and receive, 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 receive. Receive the blessing. Receive the blessing. It's just as simple as receiving it. Maybe you haven't been walking according to, hallelujah, the blessing being yours. But right now, if you never knew it before, hallelujah, know it today that you are blessed, that you are blessed, 
that you are blessed, that you are blessed, that you are blessed in spite of your failures, that you're blessed in spite of mistakes, that you are still blessed, that there is still something that you can tap into, that what is meant for you is not withheld by the hands of men, but that God has a supply for you, a blessing for you, influence for you, hallelujah, finances for you, wealth for you, abundant life for you right now, answers, guidance, wisdom, counsel, everything that we need. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. No longer will we live as paupers and as slaves, not understanding that we are sons and daughters of the promise. Oh Lord, but we obtain it. We grab hold to it right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Forgive us for living beneath our privilege. Forgive us for not trusting you to entrust the blessing to us. Hallelujah. Forgive us for leaning to our own understanding and not your ways. Hallelujah. Forgive us for not acknowledging you in every area of our life lives, Lord. Hallelujah. But we let go of our own faulty understanding and we submit it to your authority. We submit it. Hallelujah. To your word, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us. We thank you for increasing us. We thank you for taking us to the next level. I thank you, Lord, that I didn't have to wait till I was 75 years old for my eyes to be open and to see. Yes. Hallelujah. But I say yes right now and I will will walk in the blessing and I will possess the land. I will go get it. I will walk in my inheritance. I will walk in my identity. Hallelujah. I will give you praise. I will honor you. Hallelujah. Come on with the fruit of your lips. Hallelujah. Accept the blessing. Accept the blessing. I receive the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, I thank you. Hallelujah for keeping us, for making your face shine. Hallelujah. Upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. Oh, we're walking in some things. Hallelujah. We're walking in some things right now. We're walking into some things right now by our faith. Hallelujah. Oh, come on and give thanks. Hallelujah. Come on and make some declarations. Hallelujah. We can't hear a word like this and just sit and let it sit in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we receive the blessing. Hallelujah. We receive, hallelujah, the mind transformation. We receive the new way of thinking. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, for renewing our minds. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, we submit ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We submit to a mind transformation according to your word, according to your will, God. Hallelujah. Not our will but your will be done even in our minds even in our minds God hallelujah I'm willing to let go of that way of thinking I'm willing to let go of my intellect hallelujah hallelujah I only to submit it to you for you to use it God but no longer hallelujah will I prioritize what I know above what you know hallelujah use it for your glory God use this mind for your glory God Use every experience for your glory, God. Hallelujah. Use every insight for your glory, Lord. Hallelujah. And if it's not meant to be to stay, remove it. 
Hallelujah. Take it away, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me throw it away, God. Hallelujah. Help me throw it away. I want to be changed. I want to be conformed to your image. Hallelujah. Come on, the fruit of your lips. Some of y'all got some saying to do. Some of you have some saying to do. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His word. God bless you.